0: Welcome everybody, my name is Pav Ryan, I'm Performance Director and Co-Founder here at Spokes and you are listening to Bespoke, the Cycling and Triathlon Training Podcast. I'm delighted to be joined back in the studio today by one of our expert coaches. He's regarded as such an expert and, uh, around here at Spokes that he actually coaches me too. Al Altuna, how are you doing? Hey
1: Pav, thanks. It's, it's very nice to be back here, so looking forward to having this conversation with you
0: fantastic yeah we're delighted to have you back man it's been a pleasure you've done uh quite a or a couple of uh really good podcasts which uh listeners if you've not heard yet you can uh Go back in the the Podbean Vault and uh, check out uh, some of our earlier episodes. Uh, Plant based athlete was uh, actually one of our very popular ones at the beginning, which uh, Ator was uh, um, uh, was uh, gave his input in. So today we're going to be talking about uh, again it's nutrition, but we're going to be talking about um, how to how to actually plan your nutrition, whether that should be periodized or whether you should be doing something like a high-fat, low-carb or the opposite, like uh, methodology, what that means and uh, just what that looks like in practice. So um, before we start, though, Etor, let's just, uh why don't you remind everybody who you actually are and uh, why you should be listened to on this matter?
1: Uh, so I've been coaching at the Spokes and before that at Direct Power Coaching. For a couple of years now, so uh, Pa and I have already a bit of a history together. And I've been cycling for over a decade. Now I'm trying to do some triathlons, and I've been studying physiology and nutrition for some years now, and I have I have some experience applying it, and also some theoretical knowledge. So that's a bit. Of the history.
0: Fantastic, and uh, it's it, nutrition's a really interesting subject. It's something that really there's, I mean, much like training. In fact, there's no real one answer, is there? That like everybody's going to be slightly different. Uh, but the one thing that we kind of know and we understand is uh, how our body fuels training and racing. So, for, for the listeners, why don't you give them a brief understanding of how that actually happens?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, we have two main different systems. One is anaerobic and the other one is aerobic. In the anaerobic side, we use glycogen, glucose, and in the food form is uh, carbohydrates to fuel the, the work. And then in the aerobic side, we, we use either a mixture of carbohydrates and fats, or just carbohydrates in the very top end of aerobic intensities. So we have those two different systems, but actually it's more of a of an spectrum, instead of two very different and divided systems, so every time we will have a bit of contribution from either of those two. So. The more we go towards the high intensity, the efforts that are between a sprint and one, two, three, five minutes all out, those will be quite heavy in the anaerobic side and those will require a high carbohydrate use. And then in the aerobic side, which can go from five minutes until as long as you can hold it, that is. At the start of it, so between five minutes, 12 minutes and up to one, two hours is mainly based on carbohydrates and glycogen. And then once we go for very long, over two hours, for example, in a long bike race, in an Ironman, in a half Ironman, in those cases, we start using more and relying more on fat because we have a limited amount of glycogen in the body and we will run out of it if we just use that so having that mixture of using fat and being able to use fat well is quite important for those long efforts
0: absolutely so what's the relationship between like intensity and then where your fuel actually comes from
1: so basically it's a linear relationship so uh, the harder you go the more carbohydrates you will use and in Pro terms, once you get to VO2 max, or the intensity that is uh, related to ha- uh, the maximum intensity that you can hold for 5, 6, eight minutes, at that moment, you use basically all carbohydrates. So, from 6 to 6 minutes below that, it will be all carbohydrates. Then, between 6 minutes and 2 hours, the main main fuel will be carbohydrates as well or glycogen in the muscle. And once you get to two hours, there is a point where you start using more like uh, 80, 90% of carbohydrates. So, But once you go further than two hours that you can't hold such a high intensity, so the intensity goes down and the use of fat goes up and the use of carbohydrates goes down. So basically, the longer you go, the more uh, fat you will use, and the shorter you go, because the intensity will be higher, uh, the more carbohydrates or glycogen you will be using.
0: Absolutely, and we're talking about max efforts here, aren't we? Because if we were to go yes. out and, say, do two hours at very easy pace, we're going to burn mainly, mainly fat, aren't we? Exactly,
1: yes. Yeah. We, are, we are saying that the, when I say uh, for two hours or for one hour, i mean the maximum intensity that we can hold for that period of time because if not you can also do a six minute effort but if you do it with one leg and really easy you will be using primary fat so yes it's the maximum effort for that amount of time
0: fantastic and then so that's it's an interesting point and then that obviously brings up a lot of um questions around um what is the best type of fuel for for each intensity now there's obviously carbohydrates and fats both have positives and negatives. So why don't we talk about the benefits of uh, of primarily fueling with carbohydrates versus fats, and uh, and discuss sort of which ones were uh, are more relevant for a certain cyclist?
1: Okay, so uh, just focusing on performance and putting aside what health uh, effects can those have, which is still debated and we don't have really a, a close answer in terms of performance we have to look at what we have said just before so looking at which intensities we are uh, trying to improve and which intensities we need in our goal event or in our goal effort so if we look it from a point of view of dividing athletes into different types of events, for example. If we have a track sprinter or a track rider who won't do any more than 13 minutes or one hour, he will be mainly burning carbohydrates. He will be at a really high intensity. So for people that are trying to improve their sprint or their very explosive power, like a hill climber or a short time trial list they will be looking to improve how they use carbohydrates as fuel. So for those people having a high carbohydrate in the intake, will be important to develop that, because if you lower the carbohydrates and consume more fat, you will probably improve your ability to burn fat, but you will also decrease the ability to burn carbohydrates. So having that in mind, what is your goal? Dictates how you should eat. So, for example, for those kind of riders that are uh, track cyclists, short hill climbers, short time trialists, having a high carbohydrate diet and focusing on that is it's quite uh, important. Then we enter some some zones that are a bit more mixed. So, for example, uh, if you're a runner or uh, and you do marathons you will also have to think about what your time is. So, for example, if you're a marathon, you know that you will do it really fast because you are world class and you're trying to do it at 2 hours and 10 or so. At those intensities, it's also important to burn burn carbohydrates because once you start burning fat, you will have uh, energy for longer. But the issue is that the oxygen cost for producing energy is higher with fat. So, you have a bigger tank of fuel with fat, but let's say that your car can't run as fast uh, with fat. So, uh, for example, to do 100 miles, let's say that you burn 5 gallons of fuel with carbohydrates. But, if you do that with fat, you will burn let's say about six gallons. So you will be burning more energy and your top speed and your top performance will be lower if you just uh, rely on fat. So if your event or your goal effort is under a couple of hours or within two hours, uh, you will have enough glycogen to fuel that effort and having that higher efficiency that comes with carbohydrates, it's important to have your best performance. But uh, on the other hand, if you go over uh, those times uh, in your event, so if you are doing a three hour bike race, if you are doing a half Ironman that will last between three and a half hours, if you are the best in the world, and potentially up to seven, eight hours, in those cases, your glycogen stores won't be enough to fuel your your event. So you will need to have a higher ability to use fat as fuel because if you just rely on carbohydrates, you will run out of fuel and eventually your performance will decline towards the end of the event. So for those people below two hours, I think that uh, having a high-carbohydrate diet and relying on carbohydrates is important, but if you are going over that, developing a, a ability to burn fat, either with a, with a high fat diet or by periodizing how it so sometimes eating high carbohydrate and sometimes eating low carbohydrate will probably be beneficial. And to put a couple of examples, for example, uh, just uh, last weekend, uh, Kipchoge. Broke the two hour marathon record. And uh, talking with, there was an interview with one of the nutritionists that worked in that project. And they said that they were having a high carbohydrate diet every day uh, with Kipchoge because they wanted to have as high efficiency as possible. And that's achieved with carbohydrates. So they wanted just to be using carbohydrates so he can have his best performance. But on the other hand, we have some Ironman triathletes that are having a high fat diet and having a good results. So it's about identifying which kind of effort and which kind of performance you want to have and then adapting uh, your diet and your carbohydrate intake to those goals, to your personal life and how you process foods. And basically adapting it to to cook what you need and what you
0: want. Fantastic! I think there's some really good information there. So we're kind of saying that uh, uh, if if your if your goal if your target event is less than two hours, the best way for you to fuel would be on a high high carbohydrate, low fat diet. Really focusing yes. on building that your body's ability to uh, to sort of metabolize and provide glycogen to to your muscles and etc. to to be able to do that. So. You, you would say that really, if, if you were coming into the winter, um, as we are now when we're recording this, if, yes. if, the, if people out there were picking, say, a, a crit, a, crit, a criterion race or yes. uh, a 10, 25 mile, maybe even a 50 mile time trial or anything like a, a, anything that is sub two hours. Realistically, the best nutritional practice would be to just focus on high carb, low fat uh, and not to worry too much at all. Um the other spectrum, as you rightly say, your Ironman or your ultra distance, or maybe not your ultra distance, but you're sort of that 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 road race type thing where you're not going to be able to to provide everything in uh, in with uh, just carbohydrate alone. How would you then plan a nutritional plan for say an, a nine month period? Because you mention on a small scale they're doing sort of high uh, high carbohydrate uh, training and then perhaps adding that in with low carbohydrate or glycogen depleted training but how would you how would you maybe look at this over a bigger period
1: so very good point as you say for example with someone that is doing uh, cycling races that are long but also need really explosive effort at times because maybe there is a 5 minute climb in which the the race will be decided so you also need to have that ability to burn carbohydrates, but as well, you need the ability to burn fat and spare uh, those glycogen stores for the important effort. So in those cases, in a general picture, I would try to uh, use both strategies. So having some days high carbohydrate, some days low carbohydrate, and also trying to have that structure in bigger periods. So maybe now that we are entering the winter, it can be a good time, because generally we are doing lower intensity. It can be a good time to be a bit lower on carbohydrates in general, also having some days uh, with high carbohydrates, but having those low carbohydrates uh, days, so we can build that ability to burn fat and to spread glycogen. Uh, within this period that it's low uh, in the intensity spectrum. But then once we are getting closer to the events and we are trying to build on that intensity and fitness, then it can be a good time to lower that time that we spend at low carbohydrate intake and going more towards a high carbohydrate intake. So if we think within a year period or so, We can say that the winter is the time to go lower on carbohydrate because the intensity in general will be lower to build that ability to burn fat. And then once we start getting into the spring, start incorporating more carbohydrates with more intensity. And then in the summer, if if the event gets closer, having higher carbohydrates and just before the event, uh, loading on carbohydrates to have the glycogen stores loaded for the race
0: absolutely so really what we're saying is is taking a a a bigger picture look at at the training and maybe uh planning out each of your sort of macro phases and, and 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 actually matching uh your nutritional goal as in um what kind of diet you're going to to pick with what the type of training you're going to do um is there is there a reason or any reason why you would ever do a lot of high intensity training without uh, sufficient glycogen stores?
1: In my point of view, I wouldn't do it because it's not that sustainable long long term. Maybe you can stay a few a few days with low carbohydrate intake and doing high intensity, but then you will get into a point which Your stress hormones are high, your mood is low, and you start having some struggle. On the other hand, there is some evidence that doing high intensity with low glycogen availability, for example, can create the same adaptations in maybe one third of the time. But my point of view is, if you get the same adaptations in one third of the time, but you will still finish the the session being basically done and you can do three times that time of exercise with high carbohydrate intake and finish the the session I think that it's better doing more and having high carbohydrate because your stress levels will probably be lower and long term it can be uh, more sustainable so I think that Even if you can try doing it with low carbohydrate intake, I don't think that it's a good strategy long-term in uh, in terms of sustainability, uh, stress hormone levels. So I personally wouldn't do any high-intensity long-term with a low carbohydrate intake.
0: Absolutely. I think there's some some really good points in there. but. Uh, there'll be a lot of people listening here that do all of their training in the morning and probably are thinking that um, they would they would still do their high intensity stuff before breakfast or at least very sort of low glycogen levels um, I think then the, the takeaway point for that is is uh, actually to to look at outside factors you mentioned a lot mood uh, and energy level there uh, actually yeah. there's a that's a really good point and I think that people could uh, take that away and uh, if they're not already add that to their sort of um, subjective training diary measurements like uh, if you're doing a sort of heart rate very ability diary um most of the the apps come with a, a little um how are you feeling sort of toggle like one out of ten one you feel miserable ten you feel excellent stuff like that and i think that if you're tracking down consistently you're quite moody and you're miserable and stressed then you're probably taking it a little bit too far. So yeah, if you've got the time, then uh, definitely uh, no need or possibly there's less need for you to, to train in a, a glycogen depleted state. But uh, if you're short on time, then uh, yes, but, uh, and you might get the gains that you you would, but you've also got to be very careful about actually some, yes. some knock on side effects. So uh, that's really good. And I appreciate that that input. Um, and
1: yeah, one, one thing, Bob, I think also that in that case, we have to think uh, that maybe doing fasted you still have uh, glycogen in the muscle if the previous day you didn't uh, deplete those, those stores. So maybe uh, you don't have much sugar in the blood because you have been fasted for 12 hours or so. So your uh, glycogen in the liver is low. But you still have a high glycogen stores in the muscle, so maybe having just a drink of a, a carbohydrate mix that you may be using when you train, having that when you just before you start training, doing the high intensity, you won't drop your sugar levels very low, and you will still have the muscle glycogen stores quite full because. Uh, you didn't use it the day before. You have, uh, you had a big meal before uh, the night before. So in that case, even if you're doing it fasted, the glycogen is still there because uh, you haven't depleted it, and you have some sugar uh, that you are drinking in a carbohydrate mix. So you balance that fasted state by, by doing that.
0: Absolutely, I think that's a, a really good point, there, man, and uh, uh, something for the the listeners to take away is that, yeah, you, unless you're actually depleting your glycogen the night before and uh, and not eating uh, a carbohydrate meal in between training, you are still going to have some in there. So, uh, a, a small amount of uh, energy drink can actually uh, um, help release some of that uh, other stored energy. So. Um, I guess that, let's move this on and talk about actually yes. what the definition of periodizing nutrition is. I mean, that's the title of the podcast. You've done an excellent blog, which can be found on our, our spokes site, spokes.fit. Um, what does that encapsulate?
1: Yes. So in normal terms, periodizing nutrition is about changing your your nutrition, uh, what you eat, which uh, macronutrients you eat with a goal in mind. and. Uh, adapting into the session so maybe you want to improve uh, your use of fat so you train with low carbohydrate availability which can be done either fasted with low glycogen levels or not having any carbohydrate while you train so it's basically switching what we eat and what nutrition we have in order to achieve one specific goal that we have in mind.
0: Fantastic. And for, for our common athlete, if we were to take somebody, let's just say that was attempting to, to break a, a century ride, and uh, uh, what would that look like for them? Okay, so
1: if we analyse the century ride, it's basically if it's a an imperial century, uh, right? It will be 160 kilometers, which uh, can be for a just regular person, it can be six hours easily or even more. So in that case, that person will have to rely in his ability to use fat as fuel because his glycogen stores won't last for the whole ride. So, in that case, I would do just uh, the regular training that uh, usually is done, so incorporating a bit of everything, low intensity, medium intensity, but I would try, in order to get that improved endurance and that improved use of fat, I will introduce maybe some days, uh, of fasted training. For example, he can start doing one hour fasted at a intensity that is quite low and with time increasing that day of fasted training in 15 minutes, 13 minutes each week and also if he feels like the intensity is really manageable increasing also that intensity. Then another strategy to improve that for example, as we have said uh, earlier, depleting the glycogen the night before, not having a carbohydrate meal, so uh, that athlete will sleep with low glycogen levels, which is called uh, the sleep-low strategy. And by doing that, uh, both the adaptations to the training will be higher, and then you can uh, pair that with a faster training the following morning. So you will be doing a, a session that is faster, which will improve the use of fat and also low in glycogen, which will improve further that use. So you can use those kind of strategies to improve that. If, for example, you can not be training, I don't know, uh, 20 hours a week, because if you train a lot, even if you have a high carbohydrate intake, you will be depleting that and using fat. so mainly if someone is a bit uh, short in time using those kind of strategies to to make a shortcut or to get those benefits that one would get doing longer stuff you can get them by doing shorter right so by fasting not uh, repeating the glycogen stores and so on
0: excellent and um so, for the listeners that are considering this, we've had a lot of information. Um, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but how would somebody go about picking a nutritional strategy for themselves?
1: Okay, so I would start by thinking which are the goals of of somebody. So, what he wants to achieve, especially in terms of performance or goal event. So, trying to define, okay, what I want this year or uh, in a short period of time is having a good performance in next event or in next kind of effort. So, if uh, the goal is having a good man, or if the goal is having a good 40k uh, TT or the goal is having a good uh, hill claim at the local uh, hill climb race. So, once you pick what your goal is, try to define as we have said earlier, which range of time that event uh, has, so uh, you can more or less looking at times, looking at how people do, more or less identify how long it will take for you doing that event, so if you are in within two hours, as we have said, I would uh, stay. Uh, with a high carbohydrate intake, and maybe if it's more towards the two hours, you can add a few days of fasted training, or not repleting the uh, carbohydrate and glycogen stores, so you can enhance a little bit the adaptations. But always focusing on having high carbohydrate intake, so you can burn that effectively, which will be needed in the in the event. And if, if your event or goal is uh, over two hours, it's a little bit about how to mix it. If it's over two hours, but it's uh, two and a half hours or three hours, it will be closer to a high carbohydrate intake than if your goal event is uh, doing the race across America. In that case, it will be every day over 10, 12, 15 hours and day after day after day. So in that case, having a good carbohydrate, uh, sorry, a good fat use will be really important as it will be in your event next year, PAB. so in that case, having a good use of fat is really important. So I would do that. Just trying to identify which uh, performance we want to have, how long is the event, and according to that, mixing it and finding the the adequate goal, uh, goal
0: and strategy absolutely okay. i mean i was i was smiling as uh, as you were reading out some of that stuff because yeah there's uh, we work obviously quite closely on my nutrition and um, it's uh, it's something that is uh, wildly different now i'm doing ultra distance uh, racing than it was when i was doing time trials it's uh it's, it's really crazy isn't it just how I, how, yeah, how sort of how sort of uh, much you can improve your performance just by some uh, relatively simple we' talk about this right now but but the it, it's not it's not like we live in worlds where this is impossible parts of the world where this is impossible um, I mean for, for somebody that needs to understand if you've never heard of like or what a high fat diet looks like um, Obviously, we're talking about healthy fats, so we want to we want to kind of be avocados, coconut, and stuff like that. Uh, but what type of percentages are we talking? Like that? Are we talking about? Do we need to track this? What's the What's the next step for somebody that has just decided in this podcast? Wow, my event's going to need me to be very good at, at sort of fueling from from fat. So, how do they go about implementing that?
1: Yeah, that's a good point in there are two main ways of looking at it one is looking at the uh, the total amount so in grams maybe i don't know having uh, x grams of carbohydrate per day and there is as you said in terms of percentage of calories in general if we have a diet that is uh, in terms of calories uh, close to how much we burn having those percentages are Are enough, and there is no need to calculate the the exact amounts of or relative amounts uh, regarding uh, carbohydrates. So, when we talk about a high carbohydrate diet, we generally talk about 65 70% or more coming from carbohydrates, then about 15 10 15 from protein and 15 20 from fat, and then. We can tweak that mixture uh, also looking at the time or uh, duration of the event. So if you are in your race is five minutes long, it will be 70% carbohydrate. If it's uh, two hours long, it will be also close to 70, about 65, 70, or maybe even more. But once you get to three, four hours, maybe you go uh, down to 60, 55. And in terms of a high fat diet, usually is less than half uh, coming from carbohydrates, usually even 30 or 40 percent coming from carbohydrates, uh, 50 percent coming from fat, and can be around 15 also or 20 of protein. So, more or less in those terms of uh, percentages. And then if we talk about relative amounts of carbohydrates when you're in a high carbohydrate diet or days of high carbohydrate intake, we talk about 7 to even 12 uh, grams per kilogram of body weight of carbohydrates per day. So for someone that weighs uh, 60 kilos, that will be about 600 grams of carbohydrates per day. And days of low carbohydrate intake would be below four grams of uh, carbohydrates per kilogram of body weight per day. So more or less, those are the the terms. And then I think that it's not really needed to track the calories and macronutrients every day, but it's important to track them when, uh, when you start, because maybe you come uh, from a place Uh, in which you didn't know uh, how much you were consuming of each macronutrient. So having that initial um, tracking of calories and macronutrients can be useful to have an idea of how your diet would like because, I mean, we don't eat too many meals that are different from each other. So maybe you track it for a week and then you pretty much know the means that you usually do, more or less, how much uh, carbohydrates and fats they have, and then once once you have tracked it, you can continue without tracking it and doing more or less uh, by A. So yes, that's that's the approach I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with only tracking it for a short period of time. I think uh, uh, it's. It's unnecessary and it creates a uh, a dependency or obsessiveness, I think, when we always track... uh track our calories or count them and uh i think some people can do that and if you're one of those people that can and it doesn't get in your head is it, is fantastic but actually yeah, I, I think that sometimes it creates uh, problems and eating disorders just out of that itself so uh, I, I mean which it, on the face of this is a, is a huge risk and that brings us on to our next point which is what are the risks because obviously yeah. we're, we're changing up our, our diets here and uh Uh, What can go wrong, and uh, how can we ensure that uh, that what we do actually is working?
1: Okay, so uh, putting aside all the social and social aspects of eating, in terms of performance, we can go sometimes uh, using those strategies of uh, going sleeping low or training with low glycogen availability or training dehydrated, which is another strategy. We can push it a bit too much if we use it too often. So maybe, let's say that you train uh, six times a week and you're doing four four sessions fasted, and then you're doing a sleep-low strategy after two of them. So at that point, if you're not really used to it, you're probably pushing it too far producing too many stress hormones. So it's important trying to, if it's the first time that you do that, going slowly, implementing one day of faster training a week in a low-intensity training day, and then trying to add more strategies, trying to tweak a bit more with time, but always trying to, as you said before, listening to your body, looking how the mood is, if you're really feeling low, low in energy, don't push it too far. just back it off. And yes, uh, on top of that also, once we change the diet, if we go maybe high fat and we remove carbohydrates, and also if we go high carb and we remove uh, fats that we were consuming previously, you can go into a state of uh, low energy, availability, which can cause quite a few issues. It's uh, known as the red syndrome, Relative Energy Deficit Syndrome. And for example, in women, it's it's uh, widely studied and it's, it has been shown that it can cause low for, uh, loss of menstruation, low bone density, eating disorders. So uh, all the times that we switch the diet So radically, maybe, and we remove some big uh, food groups, Uh, tracking the calories at that point can be useful also to ensure that we are consuming enough food and enough calories and that we won't uh, run into those problems. So yeah, those those are the main issues that come to mind uh, right now.
0: Fantastic. And um, so let's just wrap this up then with maybe we'll do five top tips to, to getting your nutrition right over, over, the, over the winter and people that are listening back that we'll, we'll try and make this relative regardless of what time of year. So five tips, Aitor. Let's say, and let's start with um, matching your nutritional method um, to the uh, type of event that you're doing. That's, that's number one. What's number two?
1: Number two, I would say tracking early on to ensure that you won't run into problems of having a diet that you may think it's a one kind of diet but it really isn't so maybe thinking that you're in a high carbohydrate diet but you're consuming too much fat and also tracking to not get into the issues of low energy availability and all that all those issues
0: absolutely that's a good one um How about uh, taking into account how much time you actually have to train and then uh, uh, planning your nutrition out around that, whether or not you would do some sort of fasted training or not to to help get those benefits if you haven't got time to to train a bit longer. That can be number three. What's number four? Absolutely.
1: Okay, so number four can be introducing those strategies uh, slowly step by step and not starting with all the different strategies together putting them in too many days of the week and just introducing slowly listening to how you respond to them and then gradually introducing more of them
0: fantastic that's a really good one and how about the we last finish one off? yeah have you got one no, no. Go on. Go ahead. I was gonna say, <laughs> I was gonna say, finish off with uh, maybe taking some subjective uh, um, feedback scores on a daily basis, uh, making sure that you're not getting too moody or stressed or losing sleep or anything like that, as a as a good measure of uh, how effective you're actually fueling your workout and whether you're heading in the right direction. How does that one sound? Uh, sounds good. Yeah,
1: it's a really good one. Always, always we have to keep in mind how we feel how we respond to it and listening to the subjective measures to see how uh, we are responding to the to the load.
0: fantastic well on that note let's call it there it's been an absolute pleasure having you back on bespoke day tour
1: thank you Buffy. It, it was my pleasure it's always good to talk to you and share a
0: bit of the knowledge that we have with
1: other people that
0: listen to us absolutely and for the listeners if you wanted to um have a uh, free consultation with one of our coaches including a or even with one of our nutritionists ahead of your uh, training head to spokes.fit and scroll to the bottom of any page where you can uh, sign up for a free consultation um and that just leaves me to say thank you very much for listening uh, if you've enjoyed uh, this podcast please make sure you share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe leave us a little comment or a little like and uh, Let us know how we're doing. And uh, if you've got any uh, suggestions for content, we'd love to hear that too. Uh, Thank you, everybody. My name is Pav Bryan. I'm Performance Director and Co-Founder here at Spokes. And you have been listening to bespoke